This is episode 413 of The Amy Ayler Show. Show notes can be found at amyaylorshow.com forward slash 413. And this episode is with Edward Vilga, the yoga of money. (laughs) The Amy Ayler Show is especially for powerful women that are tired of being so darn hard on themselves and feeling that sense of burnout and like they're a fraud or an imposter. This is about helping you rise so you can become a leader that we believe in. I'm so excited to have Edward on the show today. He is a dear friend and someone that cracks me up. Edward Vilga is a Yale graduate and is the author of 17 best-selling books, DVDs, and courses, and has over 50,000 students enrolled in his online courses. Edward's work has been featured in People and Oprah's O Magazine, along with TV shows such as Live with Kelly, CBS's Early Show, and over a hundred other publications. His books have been translated into over a dozen languages, and his DVDs have been downloaded and viewed over a million times. Edward has taught mindfulness practices to countless thousands, mainly in New York City and across America, but also at retreats around the world. He is the chief wellness officer for Benefit Squad, where he creates innovative online wellness programs. And most importantly, he recently moved to the hipster utopia of Bushwick, New York, and is rarely seen without his chocolate lab, Bell. You can check him out at edwardvilga.com. And now, on to the show. Oh, Edward Vilga, I'm just so excited to have you on my podcast. Can I just say that? (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, okay, yoga and money. I don't understand what the heck does yoga have in common with money and does money have in common with yoga? I know, I know, I know. Frankly, I think nobody did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's how it all started, which is that I I have been... uh, writing all my life and I've been uh, doing a bunch of books and I've also been having, was having yoga as one of my key spiritual practices as part of my own just personal growth journey. And I began realizing in my own financial life that there were things I was looking at and researching and trying to figure out about my financial journey and my money journey that nobody was saying and that no, all the things that I was learning and sharing and teaching in yoga were not in any way being applied by anybody to their personal financial life, at least not formally. Yeah. So I decided I had to do that <laughs> more or less. <laughs> um, and, and a couple of things, and it, you know, and it's become much broader. Um, but I, 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 one of the things was I found that a lot of the books that I was reading about money issues were in these two very distinct camps um, they were either hardcore personal number-based uh, Excel spreadsheet right. finance, <laughs> right. or they were think and grow rich and mindset <laughs> and the secret and just visualize it all in a pink bubble. Right, know, right. Come back to you. And I thought, well, you know, are these both true? Do they overlap? What is the um, what is the connection? And one of the many great things about yoga is that it's a mind, body, spirit practice where we're not separating things into this is just the body, this is just the spirit, mm. this is just the mind. And I really thought, like, why is it that no one is writing about money in this way, which addresses it from both a practical numerical reality, 
and also a, a spiritual mindset reality. So it's almost like in this kind of metaphor, like the body, the mechanics of the body that we're using when we're in a yoga position, like you need to know like, oh, that position, like you want to get that position correct so that you don't screw up your back or whatever. That is like the Excel spreadsheet in the money world. But then it's like this, the breathing that you're doing in yoga, the mindset that you're doing in yoga, the mantras that you're saying in yoga is like the mindset work that you're doing when you're looking at the spreadsheet. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even more than that, like it's sort of like the, the fundamental thing of getting the position correctly. I mean, I've been teaching yoga for, uh, I don't know how many years, but like people, people don't do the pose perfectly and they always apologize. I'm like, why are you apologizing? But, mm-hmm. but also that, that there's still this thing, we have to do it correctly. And one right. of the things I found, um, you know, I was, I was with our mutual friend who we met, Sark, on a, on a cruise, um, this uh, transformation cruise. And one of the few shows that was available was a Susie Orman's show, like on the cruise replay. Right. And, and it was just, she has great value, but on the other hand, it's shockingly normative. It's like, you have to do it this way. If you haven't done it this way, you're a bad person mm. or you're um, uninformed or you're lazy or something. And Or you're doomed. You're, you're doomed, doomed for financial ruin. There's no hope. There's no hope. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. if you haven't fixed it and, and also, and it can only happen in this way, and, and I get it. I get it for like the whole sound by thing too. Like, like, you know, asking someone asks her a question, she has 30 seconds to answer. She's like, well, it's not going to work. But, right. <laughs> but, but there are so many, but the interesting thing is when you're teaching people yoga and I've taught, I, I mean, I've taught, I forget how many classes and, uh, you know, countless individuals, but like, and millions through my DVDs, yes. yeah. you have to, there is no right single way. And that, that, you know, what the shape looks like, there's a million props, you know, and there's a million modifications and you can make it a lot harder or a lot easier. Or if that way isn't working, you find a totally different way. And that's not how anybody was like, you know, I was looking at these things and thinking, wow, I've, I'm doomed. <laughs> and, right, right, right. You know, I'm doomed. I didn't do that right. I didn't start, you know, saving this way in this period. And I felt there was a need to apply that kind of philosophy of adaptability, of um, modification, of mindset with, you're right, with the practical information, which is it probably is going to hurt your knee if you do this, but there's about 40 different ways that you can open up your shoulders. Right. So... I know that there's some people listening right now, you know, here we are in this wild ride of 2020 with Hmm. shelter in place and financial crisis and unemployment rates that are through the roof. And that there's probably some people listening that have been laid off. And there's some people listening that have made more money during this shelter in place time than they thought they ever could. Right. There's going to be a huge swath of like all these different types of people. But for the people that, let's, let, let's start with the people that might be struggling right now. Maybe they got laid off, they're on unemployment, what have you. What are some of the principles that you would really want them to be practicing right now? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, in, in some ways it's the same for everyone, but for specifically for those people, I mean, one of the um, first things I teach, um, and, and, I, and it's not a, the yoga is a framework. Um, I, you know, I mostly... 
rarely refer to things other than the spirit of the yoga these days. But one of them, uh, the first thing is about just getting grounded um, yes. and, and getting into the present moment. And it, yoga, of course, like if you if you've never done yoga, you still know what that's like. You know what it's like to come into a feeling of alignment with yourself, your body, um, you know, and I think this is beyond universal, but the breath might be the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. And that as a first step, before you try and fix anything or improve anything or solve problems, get grounded. Yeah. Yeah. And really being able I love that because <clears throat> when our inner mean girls, our inner critics take over, we're never grounded. We're, we're in the future. We're in the past. We're shaming ourselves because of the past. We're future tripping. We're catastrophizing, all of that. And groundedness and presence is nowhere in sight. Absolutely. And what's interesting is how easy it is to live that way for long periods of time. <laughs> and and also how relatively, you know, easy it is also to come back. Um, you know, it's, it's sometimes shocking how a few moments of just stopping and watching your breath can completely adjust your attitude. It doesn't fix the problem, but it gives you a foundation from which to fix the problem. So then once someone is grounded, no matter what that financial situation is, what would you say is the next step that you really notice, you know, through, you know, what you're talking about, the yoga of money and being present and being with the money in a, in a state that is more spiritual than maybe what we've normally been taught about money? Well, I think a couple of things. I mean, one of them is definitely this idea of now that you're grounded, a lot of things that come up for the first thing comes up for many, many people. And I'm, I'm the king of this in the past especially, is you have to overcome any avoidance. Um, because I think a lot of times, and that's not true for everyone, but it's true for a lot of people, which is that there might be a general panic mode without right. really looking at things. So I think the first step is to find your groundedness, find the way to center yourself. Um, and you're going to have to keep coming back to that. I mean, there's a, I love this, I think it's a Zig Ziglar quote, which is that um, inspiration doesn't last forever, but neither does bathing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I've never heard that before. I love that. That's so I, 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 I may have made it up, but I think it's, I think it's someone famous said it, but <laughs> I hope it's you. I hope I can make a meme with your name on it, Edward. I'm going to look go, at go for it. Go for okay. it. Okay. But, it, but it's really true. It's like, it's sort of, people are like, well, that, that moment of inspiration didn't last. I'm like, Neither did your shower, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, you gotta keep doing it. So, so groundedness as a consistent practice. But then mm. the, the next two things I really feel are like overcoming avoidance, um, which manifests differently for some people than others. I mean, I'm very good, or I have been in the past, really good at just avoiding, you know, like I'm not gonna deal with that. It's kind of looming in the background. And another part of that I think that is really, really, really important is people's attitudes towards their quote unquote mistakes. Mm. Um, people, I mean, I've taught, um, you know, my Rich With Purpose course on Daily Home has like 50,000 or 40 something thousand people in it. But overwhelmingly, I, I see people in the chat rooms discussing 
you know, how bad they feel, how ashamed they feel of their situation, how, how guilty they feel, how, um, you know, and there's something powerful about taking responsibility, but then it quickly becomes very uh, limiting if you're, you know, using that to feel ashamed and, uh, and guilty about your situation. Yeah. Well, I, I love this. I remember I have a friend um, that used the term, I got financially sober. Mm. And I just thought that was such a brilliant metaphor because there is, when you're in that state of avoidance, it is like you're, you know, you've, you've fallen off the wagon, so to speak. Like you don't know what's up, what's down. You have all these stories, this narrative. It's like, I always think it's amazing, especially, you know, being an entrepreneur, both of us, you know, when I ask people, well, they'll say, oh, my company made X amount. And I'm like, awesome. So how is the profit margin? And they go, what? Like they have no yeah. idea how much money they actually made. They know like the top line numbers, yeah. but they haven't actually gotten financially sober because there's a lot of people who have multi seven figure businesses that are not making any money. And all they're yeah. talking about is that they're multi seven figure businesses, woo, 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 right? And or they have this million dollar launch or whatever. And then you get down to the brass tacks and it's like, oh yeah, no, that was, we ran in the negative. We're still in the red. And it's like, oh, well, that's interesting. So for all of you listening, are you financially sober? Are you avoiding your finances? And, you know, how's that working for you? As Dr. Phil would say, it's like, it doesn't do us any favors at all to be in that state of avoidance and to not be sober about the truth of what's going on with our finances. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and and it's it's easy to, as you say, it's easy to only look at a couple of numbers. I mean, I've worked with people like even just like coaching people years ago with people who had no idea, you know, and I get this, like how much it cost them to live each month. You know, they right. they, they, they were sort of, you know, they were getting through, but they they weren't really able. And, and, and I find myself oftentimes being like, oh, I'd like to have this amount. But like, what does it, that really mean? You know, what it would require? Right. And, and what are the costs behind that? So I think the avoidance and then hand in hand with that is that whatever your situation is, uh, accepting it, accepting the past, um, an enormous amount of people blaming other people or themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of stories people have about, you know, why they're not as rich as they want to be. Right. So for the people that let's say they're, they're getting real, they're getting grounded, they're stopping the avoidance, they're getting financially sober, they're looking at the truth of their numbers, they're getting to know their numbers, and then these feelings, like you're saying, of the shame, of the blame, come up. What are some of the yogic practices, or even not in alignment with yoga, but that you, like a tool that you can give to help them release that blame, release that shame? Um, that, that's a great question. I mean, there's, there's many and it would yes. vary person to person. Yeah. Um, I think, I think one, I mean, one key thing is simply bringing it out in the open and that's, yes. that's always enough, but that sometimes is enough to be like, Oh, you know, now I see it, you know? And so right. that, that actually, so, uh, you know, awareness obviously is a, a absolutely vital, essential step. Um, there are techniques, whether, you know, I mean, I like, I like, you know, body movement things to release tension in the body, but um, that can all, you know, it could be anything from journaling, you know, which really works yeah. for some people to really go into the story, to write it, um, creative expressions, um, 
some people, you know, uh, I, I love a magical ritual, you know, yes. like, like, okay, I get it. You know, I've been, you know, living out this thing that, you know, I've been, uh, that I got from my parents or whatever, you know, um, everything from burning something, burying something, um, uh, starting something fresh, you know, uh, like, so, so it, I like the idea and it's probably my yoga roots of something of the physical embodiment. So I like ritual. I like the movement. I like ceremony. I like something so that there's a strong mind body connection and that you can really tell yourself that chapter's over. We're moving forward. I love that. So declaring that fresh start is so powerful. And you're right, like the shame and secrecy go hand in hand. It's incredible. It's incredible. Isn't it wild? I mean, it's like for everyone listening, think about something that you're ashamed of. And if you just told one person and use your discernment, use your inner wisdom, use your intuition of who that person might be, right? The person that's going to love you unconditionally. When we release that and just even have one witness, or you go into an anonymous chat room and you post it, like whatever will work for you if you don't have that special someone in your life that you can share that with. But it is so powerful, the release that happens when we just simply say like, hey, by the way, I'm $50,000 in debt. I just have to tell someone that like I screwed up. I'm ashamed about it. And then all of a sudden the person across the table is like, really? Well, I'm $150,000 in debt. So you have nothing to worry about any or whatever. That it's, it's such a release and a relief to know that you're not alone. Oh, I have a great story about that, Ed. but but I but I but but first I just want to say like I agree with you, and it's what's so kind of amazing is that these days um, sounds very old fashioned, but these days um, people I mean it's interesting that so many people are much more willing to tell me incredible shenanigans in their sex life, but not their financial life. You know? <laughs> People, people right. tell you the most intimate body things, you know, this, like, but, but like, if you ask them, well, how much money do you make? Like, and I'm like, I don't do that. I mean, like, I'm not forward in NASA, but, but it's very interesting. Like I have several friends who, you know, will tell me everything, but are very cagey about the amount of money that they make or what their financial situations are. And that's the, I respect people's right to privacy. And it also goes the other way. There's someone who's a, a colleague of mine who is enormously wealthy. We're talking, um, we're talking seven figures is a million dollars. We're talking eight figures, maybe nine figures. Um, and you know, it's some reading for something, this person, someone said, well, how did you work on this book for so long? And this person said, well, you know, I sold some magazine articles and half the audience laughed because they knew <laughs> Well, you're also living off of a vast family fortune where, you know, <laughs> like where you've been photographed in an architectural digest in your mansion right. with Vermeer in right. the background, you know? So like people are, are hiding how much money they have and how much they failed. And so it's, um, it's, it's enormously draining. And so, you know, I've been practicing in my own life to, you know, not, not to everyone, but to sort of have just honest conversations in the same way. I would about other things, you know, yes. like, well, yeah. you know, I'm worried about this because this is happening, but you know, and it's, it's really freeing. But the, but the funny story I wanted to tell you um, was that um, what, this is one of my favorite all time stories was that uh, the, I did the last interview before she died with Stella Adler for a book I wrote and Stella wow. Adler, 
a great acting teacher. She taught Marlon Brando and De Niro and all these wow. people. And she was a legend. I went to her last master's classes. And, um, and but it, it, but she once said she one of her like three husbands, like maybe there were four. I don't remember. One of them was Harold Clerman, the um, theater director. And at one point, he was tossing and turning and sleeping at night. He couldn't sleep. And she said, "What is happening? What's wrong with you?" And he said. I can't sleep because I'm $10,000 in debt. And she said to him, a man of your genius should be $100,000 in debt. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. And she was like, what's the problem? You know, like, like you should be much more wow. in debt. That's the work of the genius. But, but it was interesting because he did wow. tell her the problem. And, you know, it, I love that because it completely pulls the rug under that, out of that story. Well, and I love it because it also separates this collapsement that we make that if you were smart and a genius, you would be a billionaire. And yeah. it's like, actually, no the majority of geniuses are not billionaires. And in fact, they might be in debt. And it's like to pull that apart to say like, actually your self-worth is not about your bank account. It's not about how much debt you have, but it is completely separate from all of that. Yes, it's separate. And like, you can't, and like, I don't want to, you know, she wasn't advocating necessarily, like if you're a talented artist, you should be poor, but she was also sort of, you know, provoking him and saying, you're a genius and this is not, you know, this is par for the course. Yes. I love it. I love that story so much. That's so, uh, that's everything. I mean, it really is everything. And, and talk about releasing the shame and having it be something where we really can claim and own who we are and our genius and our brilliance and say that that's actually separate from all of this money stuff and bank account stuff that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think I told, I don't know how well received, but I was once, I taught at one facility for like eight years or something. And uh, I had a meeting about with the staff and there's something like, this is like my second con, like I'd, I'd had two difficult moments with students and I was like, that's it. I should be having more. <laughs> like, like, I should be having more problems. Like maybe I'm getting bland in my, you know, <laughs> like, why are things going so smoothly for me? You right. Know? Exactly. Right. Well, and it's like, and especially if you're, if you're teaching something, if you're doing that, you want to be agitating people. You want to be waking them up. That's a good sign. Yeah. It's a hugely good sign. And, and I'm like, okay, I've got to, I've got to be, I've got to be, you know, you're, 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 you're sending me in the wrong direction. I'm going to become much more difficult. Now I know for all the listeners here that you have a little gift, not even a little gift. I mean like a little gifty, like cutesy little gifty, not little in value, but amazing in value. Will you share that with everyone? Yes. So, you know, I, I have been, you know, sharing what I've learned for a while um, in various courses, but I wrote a slim. So it's like, I don't know, 150 pages, but I wrote a, um, a little manifesto. And although the word yoga is in the title, it's really using that as a framework. Yeah. But I'd love to give your audience a copy of that book. It, it, it's hit number one um, for all of uh, New Thought on Amazon when it was released. But um, I'd love to give you all a PDF or uh, ebook version. And it's on my website, edwardvilga.com. I'm sure you'll have links. Uh, yeah. Slash yoga of money. No spaces. Yoga of money. Um, and it's yours. And in that book, I do relate it to the physical practices. But it really uh, is about how do we apply these mindset shifts and principles to looking at practical things. 
I love it. And I think that it's so powerful to have these frameworks when we're looking at practical things, like you said, like money, like sex, like love, like all of these things. And then to be able to take something like an ancient tradition, like yoga, and really it's, which embodies so much and apply it towards something as frenetic and challenging and weird as money. I mean, like you're saying, like money and sex, I feel like they're the two things that we're not supposed to talk about, we're not supposed to reveal anything about, and we learn all of the stuff in our childhood about both of those things. And there's such a huge ripple effect in our life for both yeah. of them. Yeah, it, 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 and, and so much of in both of those areas is a real practical physical thing, but overwhelmingly symbolic and overwhelmingly a mindset reality. Right. If you could give everyone before we wrap up, Mm -hmm. like one mindset piece that you would love for them to really take with them as like a little tic-tac, if you will, around money, like what's a mindset learning that you've had a revelation that has really made a difference around your finances? Uh, It's a, it's a great question. Um, You know, this I'm going to sort of do a classic answer, but with an original spin, which is one of the um, things I often focus on is, of course, gratitude. And there's no one who's going yeah. to agree with gratitude. Um, you know, I think Cicero said it 2,000 years ago, gratitude is the parent of all the other virtues. But I think that gratitude, but, but one thing that really made a difference for me, and this is the, I, I'm going to share this in my newsletter soon, but I'm debuting it here which is I invented a new gratitude practice. Um, mm. At least I think I did, um, which is I, you know, I, I've had some success and I've had key transformational moments with gratitude. And, and right now I'm um, doing this, you know, course for this science website with a massive audience and everything has to be super researched. So I've done, you know, I have it my, you know, five inches from me, like, a binder full of gratitude studies. So there is proof that gratitude works. It's not just, it's, it, and that I love. It's not just like new age thinking. It's like, no, here's, here's a bunch of studies that say how gratitude really does work. But one way that I amped up my gratitude practice um, is that I began, uh, and I was, worried, I was in a mastermind about this, where, um, where one of the leaders said something about how we often live in spaces of not enough and enough and then more than enough. And so I began, because um, when I began doing gratitude lists, it's easy for them to become kind of rote, like, I love my dog, I'm grateful for my health, I'm grateful for my apartment, I'm grateful for my friends. But I had a lot of fun, and, I, I, and if people respond to this, I would love to know your results, because this is the first time I'm really sharing it, with, I started writing lists of things that I had more than enough of. Mm. And I wanted to switch my mindset to, I have from, because a lot of times it has been, there's not enough money, there's not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough time, not enough money, not enough time, not enough money, not enough this. And I want to be like, well, I want to live in a more than enough world. And so I realized pretty easily it was able to get, and I might not have put this on a gratitude list, but right now I have, for example, more than enough soap. I have like 12 bars of soap. Yes. I have more than enough, God knows I have more than enough books to read. I have more than enough music. I have more than enough video programs. I have more than enough sheet music. I have more than enough food for my dog for a month and a half. I have more than 
frozen food. I have more than enough towels for anyone in America. I have, <laughs> oh, I have more than enough throws. I have more than enough pillows. I have more than enough yoga pants to teach in. But I really can very quickly get to a list of 60 to 70 things that I have more than enough of. And that, and then, and then after I did that, then I would start shifting to the money things a bit. Like if I was feeling that, I'd be like, you know what? I have, I have more than enough of a security deposit in this apartment, you know, mm -hmm. or I have more than enough health coverage or I have, you know, and I have more than enough project possibilities. But so I was really able to amplify for me, it was more powerful to amplify more than enough and to translate that into money. I, this is so brilliant, Edward. This is so brilliant. And I love, like you can feel that ramping up in your system of just the, like just the, the pleasure of having abundance yeah. in all of these things. Like I'm looking at my desk, I'm like, I have more than enough pens. Me I have too. more than I enough files. I have more than enough books. I have more yeah. than enough light in this room. Like I have more, you know, like it's what a brilliant practice. And it really does shift your whole nervous system. It completely does. And I feel like <sighs> gratitude, it's easy to get complacent with. And we're not, I'm not, it's still gratitude. But but rather than just listing things, oh, these are all nice pauses. I might not have gone to the pens as I'm not grateful for them. I'm like, but I have more than enough pens. I have more than enough this. You know, I have more than enough chairs, you know? And right. uh, and it really, you know, once you start doing it and you realize, well, you know, I have more than enough napkins, you know, um, that you suddenly get to this point where like, wow, there's 50 or 60 or 70 things that I need that I have more than enough of right now. Yes. Love it. So everyone yeah. listening, take this practice with you, the more than enough practice, practice it, download Edward's book, edwardvilgo.com forward slash yoga of money. It's in the show notes as well, of course. And then email Edward and let him know how your more than enough practice is going. Cause I know that he's going to want to hear about your experience and I'm so excited to embody this. This is awesome, <laughs> Edward. I'm debuting it with you. It's Yay! Super, super helpful for me. I'm so honored. Okay. So I have one last question that I ask all my guests that are on my show. Mm. And that is what is messy and what is magical about your life these days? Such a good question. Um, Well, the first thing that came into my mind um, is my garden um, for both because I, you know, there's, there's different, I, I live in, uh, in New York, but I have an amazing terrace situation. And yes. so there's sort of like the, you know, the English garden versus the French garden. And oddly the English garden is messier, but I've allowed to myself to have like, in some ways, a very messy garden where I'm just putting things together and letting them grow and letting things be wild and allowing certain weeds to just take over because I'm like, who, you know, there's an A.A. Milne quote who wrote Winnie the Pooh, like, like, you know, a weed is just a flower we haven't figured out the use for yet. Yeah. And so, so I'm allowing that. And, and it's also magical because in the middle of this pandemic, um, and I've written about this on my blog, if you look into it, but like, you know, I have a tree that's two stories tall. Um, and that's not supposed to be on a terrace. And so <laughs> I found magical sanctuary um, and I found it, um, the, the thing that makes it particularly magical is that it has a messy, um, cultivated, but wild quality. Mm. 
I love that. Thank you so much, Edward, for being on the Amy Ayler Show. It's been such a joy, and I'm so excited for everyone to be practicing their more than enough practice, getting grounded, stopping the avoidance, and really separating your brilliance from money and not having those two collapsed anymore. So thank you so much, Edward. Make sure to download his free PDF of his Yoga of Money book. Again, that link is in the show notes. And until next time, it's Amy Ayler signing off, reminding you to embrace the messiness and the magic of life. Bye-bye, everyone. 